All right. <laughs> Well, it's funny because um, I was telling Mr. Bollinger after I spoke on Monday, I was saying um, when we came back from Papua New Guinea into Australia, we had a speaker and he had us. He taught or he talked to us about um, reentry and coming back into the real world and out of the YWAM bubble, you know. And one of the things he said was, "Believe it or not, not everybody wants to hear what you want to say." And I was like, "What do you mean not everybody wants to hear it? I want everybody to know." And so. I I don't want to shove anything down anybody's throat, but I have been given permission this morning <laughs> to talk. So <laughs> I am so ready to share stories. Um, um, first of all, yeah, my name is Jackie. Um, I'm 18. I graduated from Wurzel Christian Academy with the class of 2009. And I just want to tell you a little bit about how I found YWAM. Um, when I was a junior, I heard that one of the seniors was graduating early, and she was going to Scotland to do YWAM. And she told me a little bit about it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I was, but I kind of shrugged it off. I was kind of like, that's not, that's not really for me. You know, I know I need to go to college. I need to get a degree. I need to get a good job, and blah, blah, blah. And so when um, senior year came around, I started getting really pressured. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go to college. I didn't know if I really wanted to go to college. And it kind of felt useless for me and it just to go to go and so I kind of remembered this YWAM thing and I kind of used it as an excuse and I kind of thought well how can my mom complain when I'm doing something for God right <laughs> I'll apply for YWAM I buy myself six months figure out what I want to do and it'll be good so obviously I had I didn't have a lot of expectations for um DTS, that's Discipleship Training School. I didn't really, I went in not really knowing what it was going to be all about. Um, but sometimes that's the best way to go in. You know, open-minded, open-hearted, blank pages. And one of my staff members actually told me one time, he's like, you know what, Jackie, I really feel like you came in completely blank page, gave the pen to God, and said, okay, here you go. You know, and that was such, it was such, so cool to hear him say that, because I really felt like I had done that. And um, so anyway, YWAM is an international interdenominational um, mission school, and there's bases all over the world, and the one I chose was in Gold Coast, Australia, and there was not really any God reason I chose that base. I've always wanted to go to Australia, and so I picked that one, and so, and then the timing just kind of worked out for the school that was there, and I was excited to go, but it kind of seemed surreal to me. Like when I graduated and then all summer, I kind of, I, I kind of forgot about it in some ways. It was like in the back of my mind always. And then when I got there, I was like really nervous. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, what do you mean? I have to live by myself for six months? I miss Thanksgiving, Christmas, my 18th birthday. Like I can't miss all this stuff. What am I doing? You know? And I got really, really nervous. And I just remember, um, when I was setting up my room, my mom had come with me a week before DTS started to kind of just travel Australia, and we spent some time together. And I remember her dropping me off at my house, and she left for the airport the next morning. And I remember being there in my house and being, like, my bed wasn't made up or anything. I slept on the mattress the night before. <laughs> and I just kind of stood there, and I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is going on? I had no idea. I was so lost at that point. And I remember one of the staff members came in, and she's like, all right, Jackie, let's go. We're going to go to the base. I'll show you around and stuff. And when, as we walked through the base, I instantly felt at home. 
like I instantly knew that this was family here, you know, and I was, there was 18 of us students, and we're together every day for six months, every minute, doing everything together, and they become your absolute best friends, and then the, the bad part is in the end, they rip you apart, but like, it, it was so cool just to be so close with someone like that. But um, the first four months, I was at a discipleship school. So there's all ranges of schools you can go to if you have any interest, like snowboarding, photography, art, dance, music, anything you're interested in, they have a school for you. And so I went to a discipleship school. I didn't pick by interest. I picked by location. And so, and I should have thought about that before I signed up because I probably wouldn't have signed up because discipleship, that was the word. Okay, we woke up at 6.30 in the morning, we cleaned our houses, we did our chores, we were in lectures all day. It was really hard work. And another thing, I have three younger brothers, and I've never lived with girls before, and here I am living in a house of seven girls. And so there was a lot of, you know, working through things for me, a lot of going, okay, God, I can't do this on my own, you know, you have to be here with me. And so, um, but every week they bring in a new speaker, and the speakers, um, the topics we had were things like Father Heart of God, Character and Nature of God, um, Evangelism, um, Spiritual Warfare, Father, uh, just all kinds of things. You learn so much about God. And, you know, a lot of these things, I grew up in church, and I learned them every, every Sunday in church. But this became a time of revelation for me. And this became a time where I really heard them for the first time. And I really took them in into my spirit. And I was so excited to be able to use these new things during outreach. And um, actually, we did some out, some local outreach while we were in Australia. Um, we went to a homeless, um, a homeless place every Thursday, and we just handed out free food. And we ate lunch with them and talked with them. And sometimes <laughs> that kind of made me mad in some ways because I was kind of like, why can't they just get it together? Like, why can't they just do it? And I, I didn't understand at first. And then through that, God really started showing me his heart for those people. You know, he really started showing me how much he loved them. And I totally broke down one time. I was in there, I was talking to this guy, and I just broke down, and I was just crying. And I was like, you know how much God loves you. And then he just started crying. And it was just a time that it was really cool just to see um, God used his love through all of us when we went there. And then we also did um, RE at public schools, which is religious education. And there was a lot of things we weren't allowed to do. We, whenever we said something about the Bible or about God, we had to say, like, this is what the Bible says. Like, we could never state it as truth, but we always, like, referred back to the Bible, which in some ways are really good because it taught us to look for the things that we believe in the Bible. And... Um, but there was so much I learned during that time, and then outreach came. And I loved lecture phase. I had so much fun with all of my friends. But outreach was two months, and it was like the highlight of my life. <laughs> like, I will never forget the things that happened there. And um, we, all 18 of the students, we split up into three different teams, and one team went to Indonesia, and two teams went to Papua New Guinea, two different locations in Papua New Guinea. And the locations I went to was, we were in Port Mosby, which is the capital city for the first month. And the second month, we were in Ley. And what we would do is, um, Port Mosby was like our base. And then we would go to all the villages surrounding the city. And, um, and we would do different ministries. And some of the ministries we did, uh, this was an op- these are open airs. And 
basically what we did was we would go to a market or the middle of the street or somewhere, and we had our little speaker box. We'd set it up, and it had a little microphone in it. And we would do a drama to call people, you know, to get people's attention and call people in. And then someone would share a testimony, and usually it was related to the drama in some way. And then we would do another drama, and then we would do another testimony, and then someone would preach. And because um, YWAM, I got 18 credits for doing the six months per course. So I could go into college with 18 credits. And because it is it's a credited course, um, there are certain evaluations and assessments and things that you have to pass to get those credits. And one of the things we had to pass was we had to preach at least one time on outreach. And when I first heard this, I was like, I was really nervous. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I have to preach? <laughs> and my leader was like, well, you know, you just have to you know, get a word from God and speak on it. And I was like, well, how long does it have to be? <laughs> and he was like, well, however long you feel. And I was like, so five minutes, right? I just read the scripture and go. And he's like, no, Jackie, like, you have to be able to pass this. You have to do this. And so um, this is just kind of funny because this picture here is me preaching. And as you can see, all the people there. And then that's just that one side. And there's all the people on this other side and all behind me. And like I said, I never, we never went to an open air that was less than 500 people. We always had a huge crowd. And then we would preach in churches, too. And on outreach, I probably preached um, about 20 times. <laughs> like, so I, I did it a lot. So I got really used to it. Um, but, and then I shared my testimony countless times. You know, people would stop us on the street and ask us what our story was. But it was, it was definitely a growing point for me to be able to stand in front of people and share about the God that I know and love. Um, and then it was even cooler to be able to see salvations and healings out of that. And we were doing at least one open air every day. And sometimes we would do three or four open airs in a day, which is exhausting. It really is. Like, all you do, like, is just pray and pray and pray for people all day. And it, it was exhausting. And um, this is a really special picture. This is, um, I was preaching this day, and this is the first lady who asked for salvation while I was on outreach. And she, the first person who asked me for salvation. And it was like the first week. Like it was, I was, I knew that God was going to, you know, give me that and be able to, that I prayed with someone, but it happened the first week, and I was, like, so taken aback. I was like, if this can happen the first week, imagine what we can do here in two months, you know? And so that was really special for me, just to be able to um, pray for her. And like I said, we were doing so many open airs a day, and every single open air we went to, we had salvations and healings. Every single one we went to. Like, we were seeing so many people saved, and we saw God move. So much while we were there like you could just tell like we would be talking and you'd get this like yearning in your heart like you could just tell it was from him like he just wanted to save the people he just wanted to heal them and it was so cool to be able to feel God's heart for those people um, another form of ministry we did was um, hospitals and this was one of my favorite ministries and it, Papua New Guinea is a very violent country um, there's a lot of gangs. There's a lot of, you know, wars and uh, tribal wars and things. And so the hospitals are packed. Like, there's so many people who come in who have just, you know, they've got their arm cut off or, like, something, like, crazy. 
And so the nurses are so busy, and they don't even have time to, like, cut gauze. And so we would just come in for them. We would cut gauze. We would clean up, you know, things they, they didn't have time to. We would just do the little things for them. And they were just so appreciative. I've never been thanked so many times in my life. They were just, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Like every time they walk in the back room to grab a piece of gauze, like we were barely cutting it fast enough for them to grab it. And they're, thank you, thank you so much. And we just knew that, you know, they really felt God's love through that. And But one of my favorite things to do in the hospital was when we got to pray for the patients. And uh, this man, this is <laughs> so cool. We walked in. This is the first man I saw, and I went up and I started to pray for him, and he had tuberculosis. And I, I finished praying for him. I'm like, so how do you feel? And he just gets up and leaves. And I'm like, um, okay, I hope that's good. <laughs> like, and that would happen all the time. We would pray for someone, and they just get up and leave. They just leave the hospital. I was in the middle of praying for a man one time, and in the middle of my prayer, he just gets up and leaves. And I look, I turn and look at the translator, and I was so confused. For a second, I was like, is he, like, offended or something? <laughs> and they were like, no, he thinks he's healed. He's gone. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, it was so cool to be able to see the healings right in front of our very own eyes, you know? And, I mean, when we were at the hospital, we saw um, a lot, there was a lot of tuberculosis that we saw just get up and leave. And, but we also saw um, crippled people walk. We saw blind people heal, deaf people hear. It was crazy. And I remember one time in particular, this guy was uh, walking uh, back to his bed, and he was almost crawling. Like, his leg was so screwed up. Like, he was almost crawling on the floor. He was having such a hard time. And, you know, of course, we're like, huh, he needs prayer. <laughs> so we walk up, and we're like, can we pray for you? And he was like, Sure. And he didn't really seem convinced. It, he just was kind of like, sure, whatever. And we started praying for him. And we helped, like, we had stood him up and we started praying for him. And we asked him, what happened? Like, what is wrong with your leg? And he's like, oh, the police shot me in the knee. <laughs> we're like, what were you doing? <laughs> like, but we're like, you know what? He needs healing anyway. <laughs> so we just started praying for him. And he literally runs out the door. Like, not just walks, but runs out the door. I mean, we saw things like that happening every single day. Like, it was crazy. But um, one of the biggest things I did want to talk about was faith and healing. And after a few times of praying for some people in the hospital, you know, we didn't see every single person healed that we prayed for. And sometimes that really bothered me. And I went to my leader about it, and I was like, John, why? Like, I don't doubt God's power at all. I know he has the power to do it, but why doesn't he sometimes? And he just reminded me, you know what, Jackie? We just have to have faith. Like, that's all we have. All we have is believing. You know, there's no secret formula to healing. There's no, if you do this, I'll do this. There's nothing like that. Like, all you have to do is just believe that I'll do it, and I'll do it. Like, you just have to believe it. And I, that really hit something in me, and it, I really caught hold of that. And so every single time I was praying for someone, I walked away knowing that one day they would be healed, knowing that one day God would totally take that away from them. And I just wanted to show you a few pictures. Um, this was a little boy, and he had this big tumor on, I guess it was like right here. I'm not sure exactly where it was coming from, but it covered his whole eye. Like he couldn't see. It was huge. Um, and he was one of the ones that, as we prayed for him, we didn't see it happen, but we walked away knowing that it would. 
And that, that gave me more hope sometimes than actually seeing it, just knowing that God was going to do something great. And this was another man. Um, the doctors didn't know what was wrong with him. Like, he could barely move his arms and legs, and they couldn't find out what was wrong with him. But he was another man we prayed for, and just knowing as we walked away that he was going to be healed. And this man, um, he had, I think he had been in a fight, but there was definitely some demonic issues going on there. And so that was, you know, we prayed just that, you know, he would be released of that. But we kind of prayed that in our spirit because he asked us to pray for his wounds. So we prayed for his wounds out loud and prayed for his uh, soul in our, in our spirit. So, um, and then this was another man. He also had tuberculosis. And he was another man that we prayed for, and we just knew as we walked away that he would be healed. Um, and then we also did school ministries, and this was a really cool time. This is the, the kids on the school, and that's the school in the background. So I don't know how they, you know, if they alternated or tried to fit them in all at one time. I'm not sure, but um, the schools were a lot of fun. We went, and my friend Danielle, she was preaching at this school this day, and she um, t- talked to the kids about how God is her best friend. And it must have really struck with them because when we asked, you know, if anybody wanted healing or salvation, every single one of the kids there raised their hand to be saved. And it was, I mean, we prayed like all day for all of them, but it was just overwhelming to feel God's presence there. Um, and this is an orphanage we went to, and I loved going to the orphanages. And they're not government-run, usually. Just they're moms who have an extra bed, and they take kids off the street. And this mom, she, I think she had three kids of her own, and then um, about 15 that she brought in from the street. Um, and, you know, that's really hard because they don't have a lot of money, and they have to feed and clothe themselves and their children and, you know, take care of the house for their own kids. And it was so, like convicting in a way to see that love that she had and just to, you know, realize that, you know, we have an extra bed. We could take someone in. And it was just convicting in some ways. And then this was a church that I preached at. And um, the churches were really intimidating. There's a lot of religion in the church. And it's funny, you're not really supposed to talk about healing, but I kind of accidentally started to. So I kind of accidentally finished. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, it was hard sometimes. It was really hard sometimes to, like, go in and they're like, okay, you can't talk about this, 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 this. You're not allowed to do this, this, this. And you're just like, well, what can I talk about? Like, and so it was hard, but um, this is the first time I had preached at a church. And, you know, we all had our funny preaching moments. And this was one of those moments for me. Um, right outside, you can't see it, but there's this, like, thing that comes over the street and so that people can walk across. And I was preaching, in the middle of preaching, I heard something over there, and I kind of looked over, and I was like, oh, I'll just forget it. And then I heard someone say knife, and I was like, what? <laughs> and I literally stood there, like, for like five, ten seconds, I don't know, just standing there. And then finally, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, I'm preaching, right? <laughs> so, but um, <laughs> but that was a, that was a, it was hard, but it was really cool when we got to see breakthrough in churches. Um, this is one of the churches we went to, and right before outreach, all of our staff members asked us, they were like, we want you to tell God what you expect during outreach. We want you to give him, you know, things that you want to see there. And so one of the things that I asked for was um, to become more spiritually discerning. 
And I was expecting it. I wasn't really, I wasn't expecting it to a high degree, but I was, I was expecting it. And this is like, I don't know, within the first couple weeks that we were there, and um, the churches, they only built their walls halfway up because it's, the average temperature is like 100 degrees with like 100% humidity. So they leave the churches halfway so the air can come through. And um, we would just show up like on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, and they'd be like, oh, we're going to have church since you're here. <laughs> so we would just go and do a church service for them. And um, they don't have electricity, but they do have generators. And this, when we came here, the generator was broken, and it wasn't turning the lights on. And we were all really disappointed because we had some really cool dramas, and we were like, you know, they're really powerful, but there's no point in doing them if they can't see them. So we were all kind of disappointed, and all of a sudden we just we started praying. We were like, you know what? God made light. Like, he can turn it back on. So we just started praying for it. And as I was praying, I opened my eyes, and they, they were just strumming their little guitar, you know, worshiping, and I opened my eyes, and I looked over, and I saw this demon stalking the church. Like, it was just walking back and forth against this wall right outside. And I looked back at my leader, John, and I was like, it's a demon. <laughs> and he was like, what? I was like, it's a demon. And so we started praying against it. And we just started praying. You know, he had no hold over that church. This was holy ground. And I had my eyes closed worshiping, and I got this vision of this black cloud coming up off this church and hundreds of demons fleeing from this church. Like hundreds of them. And when I opened my eyes, the lights came on. And I was, I was in awe. I was like, you know what? I knew God was powerful. I knew he was going to give it to me. But I had no idea it would be this soon and this much. <laughs> and, I mean, it, that really how, was how my outreach went the rest of the two months I was there. Every other day, you know, we were, we were seeing in the spiritual. We were praying against those things. There's a lot of witchcraft and sorcery going on in Papua New Guinea. We got spells cast on us. We got spells cast on our speaker box. We, you know, we had things happening to us all the time, and we were just in constant prayer over those things. And one of my biggest, I'm just going to say this, one of my biggest um, blessings from God on outreach was I didn't get sick one time. I didn't get one stomach ache. I didn't get, not one time. And I was so grateful for God for that. I was just so grateful for that. But, um, yeah, this was, this is the drama that we did that night, and it's called Hallelujah, and it's a really powerful drama. And what it is is the first girl walks, and she's blind. And then the second girl is like a cripple. She has a broken leg or something. And then the third girl um, has, like, depression. And then Jesus comes, and he takes the blind away from her and puts it on himself. And then he takes the, you know, cripple away from her and puts it on himself. And then he takes that depression away from her and puts it on himself. And then he goes and dies on the cross. And then he's, you know, we're all set free from it. And it was such a cool, cool drama to do for them. And I think a lot of them were dealing with that depression. But what was awesome about this drama was we saw every single one of these things happen. We saw blind eyes open, crippled people walk, and depressed people, you know, with joy. We saw all three of those things happen on our outreach. And it was so, it was such a testimony in itself to see that. Um, we went to the, um, when we went to a village called Borogaina, we, we were there for a week and we were doing house visits. And we would just go and say, you know, do you want us to pray for you? And they would say yes or no. And one of the houses that we went to, she was blind. 
and she had been blind for about a year, and she she started having like really demonic dreams and bad headaches, and all of a sudden she woke up one day and she was blind. And she had had the same headache for a whole year. And so we came and we just prayed for her. And the next day we came back, and we really felt like we should come back every day while we were there. And so the next day we came back and we asked her, how are you feeling? And she said, well, I was able to get up and sweep my house for the first time yesterday and go to the toilet by myself. And we were like, that is awesome. You know, that's a miracle in itself. And so we prayed for her again. And we came back the next day and we were like, how are you feeling? And she said, I was able to cook dinner for my family. And she was so proud of that. And we were like, that's, that's amazing. And so we came back the next day. And when we came, she was getting on this bus. And we're like, wait, 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 don't, don't you want us to pray for you? And she, she was going to the city. And she's like, oh, there's no need I can see. <laughs> and, it, like, the way she said it was just like, I knew it was going to happen. Like, <laughs> And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus said, though. This is everyday Christianity. This should happen every single day in every single one of our lives. You know, we have the power and authority that he has given us, and we're not, we're not using it. We are not using it, because if we were, you guys would see those things every single day. I saw those things every single day on outreach. Every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the kids' ministry that we did, and the kids were just loving every single second they got to be with us. And we would, you know, do games and songs with them, and after Danielle preached that one day at the church, we just started using that same concept every time we would preach to the kids. You know, God is your best friend. And we saw so many kids come and just accept salvation, you know. And kids who, a lot of times, they'll come to church because they don't have anything else to do. And their parents might just be sitting at home. And we were so happy that, you know, we had planted this seed in these kids who can go back home and can tell their parents what happened. And it was just amazing to see. And one of the biggest passions that God has put in my heart is children. I believe they are a gift from God, and I'm just, I'm so in love with every single one of them. And so this for me was such a cool time to be um, a part of that. And then this is my log story. <laughs> and I, I have to add this into every, <laughs> every testimony I share, because I hate manual labor, hate it with a passion, and... <laughs> God really worked on me <laughs> with that during outreach. And I was, I remember going to this day and I was like, you know what? I'd rather clean up puke than do this. <laughs> like, please just put me back in the hospital. But, um, what we did was, well, they told us we were gonna build a toilet. And we were like, well, digging a hole in that a ground can't be that hard. Like, we'll do it fine. <laughs> and, so, and then when we get there, they were like, oh no, you're gonna build a YWAM base, a dormitory base. And we're like, all right, what does that exactly mean? And so we walked like an hour down the road, and we were used to walking. We walk everywhere in outreach. We walked an hour down the road to this village, and they're like, okay, we're going to go in the jungle and get these logs. And we're like, okay, so we start walking, and we walk, and we walk, and we walk, and we walked like 20 minutes into the jungle. And I mean like jungle, like trees everywhere. And we come to this pile of the small logs. And we're like, um, what is this? And they're like, okay, we're going to carry these out of the jungle. And so these are the small ones. They're like this round. The big ones are like this round. And there was probably, there was a few piles of these. There was probably 500 logs and 15 to 20 of us working. So it took us all day long. And we would just hoist them on our shoulder and walk out of the jungle. 
And it, oh my goodness, my shoulders hurt so bad the next day. But it was one of those things where I was like, you know what, if I had to do manual labor, something good better come out of this. <laughs> I didn't do this for nothing. <laughs> so, and so the next day, you know, we, they, the pastor at the, this village was so impressed. He's like, you know what, you guys eat what we eat, you sleep where we sleep, you bathe where we bathe, you do the work that we don't even want to do. And he was so impressed by that. And we knew that we had just shared God's love in such a way that they would never, ever forget that. I mean, there was seven of us. So if we weren't there, there would have been, I mean, you know, eight, nine people working that day. And that would have taken them two, three days to do all that. And so we knew that it was definitely a thing from God. Um, And then we got to be on the radio. And we were just at this church and someone had shared her testimony and they heard it. And the woman from the radio heard it and wanted us to come on the radio. And so we knew for like three days or so. And as you can see, my friend Felicia there, she's just kind of like, oh, this is boring. Like, I was like the only one excited. I was like, oh, I'm so excited we're going to be on the radio. Like I get to talk to people. I was like so psyched about it. And so John saw, my leader saw how excited I was. So he's like, do you want to share your testimony? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, And so there's this little thing that shows how many people are listening at the time. And when I share my testimony, there were two million listeners. And <laughs> that was incredible to be able to share something like that with two million people, to be able to share God with two million people. You know, I've never even thought about that before. I've never, I've never had an urge to be a preacher. I've never had that. But I got to share God's love with two million people in Papua New Guinea. It, it was amazing. I was so blessed by that. Um, and then this is a men's home that we went to. And basically these are um, drug addicts or struggling alcoholics or um, men who have um, anger issues or beat their wives or things. And it's a volunteer organization. Um, it's not Christian. It is a government organization. Um, but they come in and they, basically they just give them a roof to sleep under. They They uh, tend all the fields, cook their own meals, things like that. So all they really do is just give them um, a place to sleep. And what was really cool was to come in here and um, be able to talk about God. Um, There's four girls on my team and three guys. And for some reason, John decided that us four girls should talk in this place that day. And I was kind of like, John, don't you think, like, a guy should talk? Like, (laughs) this is all guys. I have no idea what I should say. And he was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, God will tell you what to say. And I was just kind of like, yeah, but don't you think it would be easier? And he's like, you're going to do it. So just get over it. And I was like, fine. So um, all of a sudden, like, I just got, like, this spirit. And I kind of started rebuking them. And I was like, you guys need to be men of God. You need to step up. And I was just, like, going on and on and on. And then at the end, I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) and it was just, it was a cool time. And just to be able, you know what? This, these are men who are trying. They are trying hard to be better people. But they can't do it by themselves. There's no way they can. And so to be able to come in here and show them how they can do it was such a joy. And you could see when we were done talking that they knew that they were in God's strength now. They knew they would, you know, they knew they didn't have to do it on their own anymore. They knew that they had Him there for them. And that was such a cool thing to do. Um, I so enjoyed that place. I didn't think I was going to, but I really did. And um, this is just a picture. There's, like I said, there's a lot of violence in Papua New Guinea. 
and there's a lot of gang violence. It is an island culture, so there's not really a lot to do. So people fill their time being in gangs and things like that. But uh, there was this one village we went to in Leh, and Leh's supposedly the most dangerous city in Papua New Guinea. So we went to Leh, and that was one of our bases. And we went to this village, Manum, and it was the most dangerous village in Leh, which is the most dangerous city in Papua New Guinea. And so we were a little nervous, and it was nighttime. We had gotten there late, and they wanted us to do a church service. And we just prayed for God's protection. Um, And we came in, and we just started sharing. And this man came in at the end and wanted salvation. And we were all really excited about it. And, you know, Dylan was praying for him. And I was sitting next to my leader, John. And the pastor of this church comes up, and he's like, watch the girls. And John is like, what do you mean? And he's like, just watch the girls. And he was very nervous. Like, he was very anxious. Watch the girls. Watch the girls. And John was like, what? what's going on? What's going on? Tell me. And he's like, that man there, he's the most dangerous criminal in this village. And the most dangerous village in like, and the most dangerous city in Papua New Guinea. Like, and I was like sitting there like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he was like, he's, he's the most wanted criminal in this village. And... I was like, and for a second we kind of questioned why he was there. You know, we were like, oh, is he really here to get salvation? Like, what is he doing here? And as we were being judgmental, as we were, you know, having that thought, he gets down on his knees and confesses every crime he's ever committed. He confessed every single thing he'd ever done wrong. And to see, you could see in his eyes he was sincerely sorry. You could see the sorrow in his face. And you know, we prayed for him. We prayed for salvation. We prayed for blessings. We prayed for strength. We prayed for everything for him. We, had, we were so excited that you know, he was remorseful in a way. You know, he was sorry for the things that he had done. And we were so excited for that. And you know, we told him, we were like, you need, to, you, know, you need to stick with the pastor. And we asked the pastor, is there any way that like, he can maybe live around the church or help out and things? And the pastor's like, oh, he can live with me. And it was so cool just to see how that pastor was just saying, watch the girls, watch the girls. But he had such faith in, this, in, in God, in God's power, that he was like, oh, he can live in, with me in my family, you know? And so it was really cool to see that. And um, I'm just so excited for the things that God has planned for him. I am so excited for those things. But um, it was, like I said, my outreach was incredible. And it, I was expecting so much going on to outreach. And I got... So much more than I could ever have asked for. Like seriously, I, I mean, seeing, I just, I can never get past the fact that I saw a healing a day, a salvation a day, at least, like at least one a day. It was incredible. And you can just tell that God is really moving in that place. And he is really, you know, just, he wants to save those people. You can just, you feel his heart. Every time you walk down the street, you feel, or I would feel his heart for every person I walked by. And it was almost like you wanted to stop with every person and just cry and just pray for them and just be like, God loves you. And um, it was intense, but um, I, I have decided I'm going back in August. I'm moving back to Australia in August. And I'll be leading, or I'll, help, I'll be staffing a DTS, um, and I'll be helping to lead another team to Papua New Guinea. And I am so excited for the things that God has plans. You know, this was my first experience. I can't wait for my second. Like, I can't wait. And it's so funny how, like, everybody, all the staff are saying, oh, it's good the first time, but the second it gets better. 
I'm like, how can I get better than this? Like, I don't know how I can get any better, but I'm ready to find out. Um, but yeah, I, I was just so blown away every day by God's love and so blown away every day by his power. Like, you, I always knew that he had those things, but I don't think I ever, like, realized it. And I, and now I truly do realize it. And I've been trying to tell everyone in the world I know, like, this is God. Like, this is him. Like, the, the daily healings, the daily salvations, the daily love and strength and wisdom. I mean, we were going six in the morning to two in the morning sometimes. All day long. We were just working all day long, you know, praying for people. Which, if you've ever prayed for people for 12 hours, <laughs> that's pretty exhausting. Like, I'm not gonna lie. It takes a lot out of you. But you know, our, and we would, we would be done at midnight and we would stay up till two in the morning in our quiet times if that's what it took. Because we knew how important it was to not pour out of our own selves, but to pour out of the overflow that God was giving us. And so, um, I was just, I mean, we would be up all day long and there was no way we should have been able to be up and enthusiastic and energetic the way we were the next day. But it was God's strength every single day. I have no doubt about that, you know? And, we saw so many healings and salvations in Papua New Guinea, but we also saw them in Australia. And I will never forget, like, we, there was one salvation um, on our own DTS. One of the students was saved. Um, it was kind of funny. She, her story is kind of similar to mine. She didn't know what she wanted to do out of high school. Her parents had both done YWAM, and they were kind of like, we'll pay for you to go to Australia. And she's like, well, I'll go to Australia. <laughs> you know? And she was kind of tricked into what it wasn't. So... <laughs> Um, but she came and she saw, you know, God's love and she saw all of how much, you know, we loved God and we just wanted him so bad. And I think the fourth week of DTS, she um, came to us as, as a whole DTS and she asked us all to pray for her salvation. And it was really cool to see that. And, you know, she's my best friend now. Like, she really is. And I will, I will always love her so much. And then even to see the healings in my own life. Um, before DTS, I struggled a lot with a lot of fear in my life, and, and I did struggle with OCD, and it was something that I really downplayed, and if you, like, no one would have known it, ever. Like, all, on the outside, I was always this calm, like, you know, happy, whatever, Jackie, but on the inside, I had a lot of fear, and I had three major phobias, and I was dealing with um, knives, needles, and feet. And, like, it's so funny to say feet, because in my head, I know how silly that is. Like, I knew how silly it was to be afraid of feet, right? But I couldn't, for some reason, if someone would touch my feet, or if they would make me touch theirs or anything, like, I would freak out, like, cry, shake, everything. And I don't know why, but, (laughs) but, (laughs) and during um, worship one day, I was just in worship. We had uh, worship every morning on our DTS, and... In one of my worships, I was just sitting down and just, I was just kind of sitting in God's presence. And I closed my eyes and I got this vision of Jesus washing my feet. And I opened my eyes and I knew immediately the phobias were gone. I knew all the fear in my life was gone. And I ran up to my friend and I jumped on her feet with my bare feet. And she's like, Jackie! Because she, everybody knew. And I was like, it's gone, it's gone. And like, I was freaking out. And I ran up to tell my leader, and I tripped up the stage going up to see him. I was so excited. And I told him, and you know, he had me share with the whole DTS. My fears were gone. I've, I haven't dealt with OCD since then. You know, I've been completely filled with his joy. 
And I'm not the only one. You know, every, all the students in our DTS, we were all healed in so many different ways. You know, because God can't, he can't build on top of us until the cracks have been laid, right? Like, he had to, like, fill in those things before he could start building on top of us. And so it was just an awesome time. And, you know, one of the big verses that we always said in YWAM was, you know, go out into all the world and preach the good news. Like, that was, that's, like, the verse of YWAM. But when I think about that verse, I, you know what? Stepping out of your front door is going out into the world. You know, it really is. And we, I just want to, like, remind you that every day you step out of your front door, you go into the world. And, um, but yeah, I, I really do encourage you guys just to look into YWAM. You know, we had, there was a couple in Brisbane and they were a 70 year old couple and they had come to do YWAM together. And like, there's no age limit. There's nothing like that. Like, I really do encourage you. And if you feel like maybe it's not your call to go, then at least like find someone that you can pray for. Um, there is no, there, all the positions in Why Women are volunteer. There's no paid positions. And so they're all, you know, they're all relying on their own supporters and God for all the money. And so I just, I encourage you just to find someone to support. If it's $5 a month or like just pray for them, you know, once a month for them. Just to remind yourself of the people who are out there in those different countries. There's, there's tons. And like, you know, like you guys were saying, you guys have so many in your own church. Like, it's awesome to see that. It's awesome to see, you know, people really being passionate about wanting to go out into all the world. But um, I just wanted to leave that with you guys today and just encourage you, you know, that especially with the, we should be praying for people every single day. You know, that this is normal Christianity. This is everyday Christianity. And I experienced it for two months, and I'm, I've been on fire since, <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think I ever would have preached in River Life Church before DTS, so this is a step for me. <laughs> but um, I, it's, it was an incredible experience, and I really do encourage you guys just to step out in that faith every day.